Hello, this is a pre-episode announcement. COVID-19 has had a profound impact on the globe, the meetings industry, and professional speakers. First, I want to acknowledge that nothing is more important than the health and well-being of our global citizens. I know that our hearts are with those whose health has been impacted. I'm certain that our collective and individual efforts are aligned with slowing COVID-19's spread. In addition to health and social cost, our industry has experienced the economic impact firsthand. The National Speakers Association's member-only Facebook page is chock full of resources. Once you're in the group, click on the Units tab on the left-hand side if you're on a computer. On mobile devices, the tab will appear right above the area where you can create a new post. Once you click that Units tab, you will find the COVID-19 unit. Within it are interviews with our president, Ana Liotta, interviewing meeting industry experts about their concerns and what we need to know. Additionally, you'll find resources on the ins and outs of virtual engagements, how to handle cancellations, and how to remain viable. Tune into the Facebook group daily for updates, suggestions, and resources from veteran speakers and professionals who have experience in surviving and thriving throughout disasters and economic downturns. NSA is one big family, and we're here to support. Today's episode is especially relevant considering the current shift to online learning and challenge of standing out in a sea of new programs. Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. You're in for a treat on today's episode, Courses and Conspicuousness, as we have two legends in the VOE studio. First, we have Scott McCain sharing how you can make yourself stand out in a crowded market. Next, we have Simon T. Bailey sharing things you need to know to craft a course that adds value. Last, but certainly not least, we have Caroline de Posada Rodriguez in studio to discuss NSA's youth program. Are you ready? Let's get started. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have the Scott McCain. Scott's spoken in 50 states and 23 countries, and we are so excited because anyone who has ever paid attention to anything going on with NSA, you can't be in the room for more than about 15 minutes and not hear Scott's name. Scott, thank you for giving oh. your precious time to us with Voices of Experience. You know, Crystal, the problem with a podcast is that they can't see how red my face is. Right now, so. You're, you're so kind. I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank no, you. no, it, it really is an honor to have you here. And so we're going to get right into the content here. And my first question for you is, how can a speaker go from filling a space in the program to being the main attraction the program is built around? Because you're known for this. Thank you. Well, one of the things I discovered is that if I just came in and did my thing, that I was filling a slot. But when I had content that mattered... Uh, then it was something that they would want to share with others. But then it, it, there's another layer to that as well, which is that you have to develop a theme. So when when I started researching on creating distinction and wrote my book, Create Distinction, I kind of became known as the distinction person. Okay. And so that became easy for organizations to say, you know, this conference is going to be about distinction and 
who else would we have but the author of the book create distinction my latest book is iconic and so uh, i just did a program in australia that had you know 1500 people and the theme of the of the program was becoming an iconic dealership so i would talk about the steps of becoming iconic so it's it's you have to have the compelling content but along with that you have to have what i call a high concept that's a hollywood term about a brief powerful statement mm-hmm. uh script writers call it a log line okay. but, it, but it's that brief thing that when you say i talk about how to take your business to an iconic level mm-hmm. oh now tell me more about that and and i think we miss that sometimes as speakers we we have our 60 minutes or 90 minutes or even full day training to fill right but they really need to know in six seconds what we we're going to talk about. How do you develop this six-second explanation? It's really tough, it, 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 and it sounds like it would be so simple, mm-hmm. but it is one of the hardest things. I, I had the CEO of a major bank, the seventh largest bank in the United States, tell me it was the single hardest thing he's ever done as an executive is try to get that clear, that focused. Wow. Uh, one of the challenges, particularly for you know, mid-level speakers, entry-level or mid-level speakers, mm-hmm. is, gosh, we want to book dates. And right. man, I know I've been there. I mean, you, we want to book dates. And somebody says, what do you talk about? And I typically say, about an hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Whatever it took. You know? uh, and, and that's the problem, is that we are so willing to adjust what we talk about to get the date that mm-hmm. we never get known for anything. Wow. So that's part of the process, is how would I distill what I talk about, in, and, and here's the other thing, it has to be a word or a phrase that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that, you know, a lot of people talk about now about how to stand out, a lot of people talk about how to differentiate yourself, but I was promoting the word distinction before okay. anybody else was. So now, not, not in a copyright sense, mm-hmm. but I kind of own that word in the marketplace. Okay. And, you know, if, if you think about, uh, you know, there, there are certain speakers that just kind of own their topic area right. because they've defined their topic area. Okay. So, so as silly as it sounds, even just get out a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. What are some other words that would define specifically what you talk about and how could you make it uh, in, a, in a phrase that a meeting planner could name the entire convention after what you speak on? Ooh, okay, so Scott, I feel convicted when you talked about <laughs> how you know speakers will kind of shift around a little bit just to get the dates. I, I got a little stab there. And for anyone else who's listening who felt that same stab, how can we become an iconic speaker. So in addition to having that six seconds of being able to explain exactly, precisely, in addition to owning that word, is there any other special touches that we need to introduce on the stage or in our business processes that take us from being everyday speakers to iconic speakers? I, I want to suggest a couple of the things that I found out in studying iconic businesses in general, because I think they apply to what we do as speakers. Uh, one is play offense. Those of us who are sports fans have heard forever that defense wins championships, mm-hmm. which overlooks the statistic that the best offensive team has won the vast majority of Super Bowls. Oh, It's not true that defense wins championships, yet we are trying to be defensive in the marketplace. Let me, if I got a client, I'm going to make sure that no one else speaks for them. And I'm a, what we have to do is, is, is be aware of what other speakers are doing in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But we've got to chart a fresh course because that's attractive to the marketplace. Innovation attracts. And so the way that you approach your career in your marketing, even mm-hmm. in your presentation, mm-hmm. there has to be a degree of innovation in that 
to, to be attractive, to be recommended. A lot of people say, oh, I want to be a motivational speaker. There's a gazillion motivational speakers. Right. What, what do you do? What do you talk about? What is there a phrase that you could come up with or something special that would define what you do? Mm-hmm. And then you play offense with that. You're not trying to beat other people, but you're trying to you know, move the ball down the field in, in your particular marketplace. Okay. Second one is go negative. And that, that's really hard for me. And okay. it's hard for a lot of speakers. And it's hard for organizations. Disruption is created through dissatisfaction. Okay. If the speaking industry or you as a speaker is going to be disrupted, it means somewhere in the process, people were dissatisfied. There's a better way to do what they're doing other than what we're bringing. Okay. And so what happens, I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this, is that we try to solve the problem with the customer, but we don't resolve the issue that created the problem in the first place. Mm. Right? And and so we, we make sure that that client is happy. Right. But we don't drill deep enough into what what happened here. How do we go negative? Uh, were we not unique enough in our material? Do we need to improve our speech? Do we need to... Uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot with speakers is that the most important thing is your speech. A lot of times we come to meetings like NSA Influence and rightfully so, there's a lot of programs on marketing. There's a lot of programs on how to improve your social media. But part of what I'm hearing from meeting professionals is that there are some speakers that have great marketing, and once they get there, they can't deliver on stage, mm. which means they never build momentum in their career, right. which means they don't build the word of mouth that it takes to get repeat and referral business. I would hope the reason I've been blessed to have longevity in the industry is because you know we want to be easy to work with we want to do things right for our clients but that the total experience is such that it's easy to repeat and to refer because now now I've become a safe choice okay and you actually mentioned a word longevity that's going to bring us to our last question if you were to rub a crystal ball and actually give one piece of advice to all the speakers who are listening, whether they're at the very beginning of their career, whether they've been doing this for 20 years and are really successful, what's one thing you would say that all speakers need to either do or be aware of Mm -hmm. to be relevant five, 10 years down the line? (laughs) You know, Crystal, death concerns me, but irrelevance terrifies me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, being irrelevant to me is is the scariest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But irrelevancy... I'm sorry, relevancy isn't necessarily having the newest thing. Mm -hmm. Relevancy is saying things that matter and move the audience. Mm -hmm. And part of what I'm learning right now is that nothing's new. Okay. Nothing's new. We, We have different tools. We have different approaches. But the things that really matter are the things that stand the test of time. Jim Rohn said, you can't manufacture antiques. And I think a lot of us are trying so hard in thinking that relevance is, I've got to be on top of the next new thing, and I've got to think ahead of the marketplace, where instead, maybe we need to go back to our core values, and maybe we need to start thinking about some of the basic things that we assume the audience has heard, but, but maybe they haven't explored as much as they should. Wow. You know... What's interesting about what you just said is that I had the pleasure of speaking to a few speakers, seasoned speakers recently, one of them, Karen McCullough, mm-hmm. and one of the things that she communicated is exactly what you said, uh-huh. that some of the things she had retired, she ended up bringing back out of retirement because these younger millennial audiences were unaware of some of these things that happened 30, 40 years ago. So and so it's highly relevant, but if you're always looking to the future, 
you wouldn't even know that you need to bring back these very basic concepts that the next generation needs to hear. I, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, she's, that Karen said that, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that we're talking about it in this forum. Because yeah, one of the things we sometimes forget as speakers, um, if, if I went to see Elton John, mm-hmm. And, and Sir Elton came on stage and said, hey, I feel like doing a bunch of new songs tonight, so we're going to do all new songs. <laughs> How would you feel about spending big bucks on that concert? I'm going to be mad. You want to hear the hits, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, if, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what performer you're talking about from Garth Brooks to Jay-Z. You, you spend your money. You want to hear the hits. Right. And we as speakers... Those upper level, higher level speakers have de- developed a repertoire that we should think of as our greatest hits. Okay. And something happens with a hit, and that it might be a signature story. We tend to get tired of it because we told it so many times. Right. How many times has Beyonce sung single ladies? She doesn't think, oh gosh, another <laughs> wonderful opportunity to go. It's like, I'm sure in her head she thinks, hey, I got to do that song again. But you know what? She does because the audience wants to hear it. Right. And, and, it, we're not famous, and we don't have that degree. But, but you know, there's certain signature stories that you may have in your repertoire that you retired. That there's really no good reason other than you're tired of it, and the audience really needs to hear it. Mm. So go back and pull it back out. I, I got to tell you, there's a story I had not told forever. Um, it's a signature story I have about uh, forgetting to get a pair of cufflinks, and I. I was at a program, and my buddy Scott Stratton was in the audience. Okay. And they, right before I went on, they said, oh, my gosh, there's somebody couldn't make it. Could you go 10 minutes longer than we talked? I mean, literally, as I'm walking on stage. Wow. And so now I've got 10 more minutes. And so I, I didn't have time to prepare. So I just brought out this old story that I literally had not told for probably seven years. Okay. And afterwards, Stratton, who's a great buddy of mine, walked up and said, man, that's the best story you've got. Wow. And I thought, and I wasn't going to tell it had it not been, you know, so now I'm, I've worked it back in the, right. the keynote because you, we tend to forget sometimes. The other thing that happens, too, is if, if as a upper level speaker, if you've got these great stories and you worry about, oh, have they heard them before? I, I, there's a story I tell about a taxi driver in Jacksonville, Florida. And I thought, oh, this group has heard me. Uh, I'm not going to tell that again right. right i mean because like a third of the group had heard me two-thirds hadn't but a third had heard and i thought well i'm you know i'm not gonna take a chance i had so many people come up and go i can't believe you didn't tell that story i told all my friends oh you wait till he tells that story you're gonna oh. love it so not only did two-thirds of the audience that hadn't heard it i also disappointed some that had heard it who now were the experts right before the speech right. they're bragging oh wait do you hear this guy he's got this great story and i didn't it, i didn't play my hit Mm. And we need to think about that. We need to be aware of not being repetitive. But we also have to appreciate that we're there for the audience, not for our ability to, you know, here's some new stuff. Sometimes we need to polish off the hits and bring them back out. So it sounds like one of the keys to having longevity is remembering what got us there in the first place. (laughs) Oh, gosh. that You nailed it. Absolutely. Now that you know how to stand out, let's package that into a course. How do you craft solutions versus content, and what the heck is a go-do? You're about to find out. So on this session of Voices of Experience, we have the Simon T. Bailey. If you have had the wonderful experience of meeting Simon, you know that he will stop, he will love on you, he'll give you his attention, he'll make you feel brilliant as he's running from airport to airport because he spends over 175 days a year on the road 
for his keynotes. Simon, thank you for being with us Good today. Good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And on top of that, you're talking with us about something that you don't talk about with your clients. You're revealing one of the secret elements of your business that we're all interested in. Yes. We're talking about crafting a course. And I can't tell you how excited I am about this because I remember years ago when we were keynoting at an event together and you told me you were in the process of creating this back in. So out of curiosity from your experience, what kind of professional speaker topics can make a good online course? So one of the topics I think that I really believe in that's forever evergreen is how to build business relationships Mm -hmm. because relationships are the currency of the future. Everyone listening to us have to really think about, I relate to the cargo in your ship and wherever you are going on the ocean of life, you carry me with you because we have a relationship. So every business that you work with, how do you build that relationship with them? Mm -hmm. By listening more, talking less, asking specific questions because the quality of your questions determine the quality of your answers, and then taking that information to shape and frame your course. So what I love about what you just said, what I picked up from that is you're also spending some time listening so that it's being crafted specifically for the people you're trying to attract. So you're not pushing what you want to push on them. You're really giving them what they're already asking for based on your questions? Absolutely. I've learned in the, after being in this business for just a, a minute, <laughs> a smidgen of a second, <laughs> mm-hmm. what I've learned in this business is it's not about what we have to sell. It's about what problem have we been created to solve? Mm. And are we listening enough to create a solution to their problem, not the content that we're trying to sell? Because they really don't care at the end of the day. So how are we wise enough to come alongside them and say, here's what I heard them say. Mm -hmm. This is what they mean. Now let me find somewhere in the middle where I can add my brilliance to the mix. So you're actually translating what they're telling you because it sounds like sometimes what people say isn't even all the way what they mean. So you're taking what they're saying, you're translating that in a way so that now you can service that need. Absolutely. So then when you create the course, it's evergreen and it speaks to many people at different levels, but you use their language to really make sure it connects. I love that. Now, when you talk about creating this course now to address that need, are there necessary elements for a compelling course? Do they do all courses need video? Do they need things in the mail? Do they need subscription boxes? Like what what do we need for a compelling course? So a compelling course, and I'm going to use LinkedIn Learning as an example because that's who I have been partnering with to actually put my courses on their platform. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that LinkedIn really drilled in my head is we have to speak to a specific problem. We need to have an avatar as we think about that problem. And how will you carry on a conversation with that avatar or archetype or person Mm. where they will understand it? And how do we tell a story? How do we make a point? 
and how do we give the how-to. But the story has got to support the point, and the point has got to build on the how-to. And the how-to, you've got to go deep. Mm -hmm. So you can't just do, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep. They mm -hmm. want you to do, uh, uh, they want you to drill deep and go a mile deep with that client. Okay. So when they hear that course, they're like, "Ooh, here's what I can do immediately." Okay. So courses today in a very noisy world, mm -hmm. where people are drinking water out of a fire hose, we have to give people things they can implement the moment they stop listening and they can go do. Okay. So one of the things that Microsoft drilled in my head when I did some work with them, they said, we're, we're glad you're coming in as a keynote, but what's the go do? So mm -hmm. I carried that through courses. What's the go do? Okay. Now, when you started with your course, did you start from scratch and just, or did you utilize materials you already had? Can you give us a little window into the process? Yeah. So when we first started talking with uh, with LinkedIn and, and different platforms, what they came to us and said, here are the pressing problems that we see in business mm -hmm. and in corporate America at the time, and and certainly uh, recently, and they say, here's where we see the world going. Do you have content that is a solution that we can put towards this problem that will be evergreen? Okay. So one of the things was, is it evergreen? Is it going to still be relevant five to ten years from now? And how do we language things in such a way where the solutions are simple to implement, mm -hmm. but people can also go back and measure to say, I did that what was the outcome. Oh. And because you're developing behaviors and habits as people listen to your course, mm -hmm. and so are the modules building on each other, mm -hmm. and are they really micro enough? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, their whole methodology is micro content in three to five, five minute segments. Okay. So if it can't be said in three to five minutes, mm -hmm. it cannot be said. Okay. But what we started doing is we started working through Google Docs, okay. just on literally scripts. Okay. And I'm like a jazz artist, you know, I like to riff, I like to go where it goes. <laughs> but one of the things I, I learned mm -hmm. in creating a course is getting in front of the teleprompter okay. and actually reading the teleprompter based on what you've created. Okay. So Google Docs is one of the tools that you use. And yes. for anyone that's not familiar, it allows multiple people to work on something totally. at the same time and track changes mm -hmm. in real time. Are there any other tools that speakers might need to start creating their online courses today? They might listen to you and they might go out there and do that. Should they start doing surveys? Or any kind of tools you can think of that yeah, would be necessary? There are three things. So obviously there's SurveyMonkey, okay. which is a tool that people can use to really get surveys from different people based mm -hmm. on questions that you've put together. Mm -hmm. And when you want to find out specific information. Uh, another interesting tool is after you use SurveyMonkey, um, a tool that, that we often refer to is when we go to PowerPoint, we look specifically what are the notes that we're going to put in PowerPoint that's going to come up when we are teaching the course. Mm -hmm. So if there is a something I don't remember, and I'm, I'm saying this is what the course is, I just have a word in the notes area of PowerPoint to jog my memory. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, okay, boom. That's what that means, mm -hmm. and that's something that we really, really, really love. Okay. Uh, and and then the other interesting thing on the 
iPhone, there's an app you can download, and you can probably do it in Android, called iRecorder. Okay. And iRecorder allows you to record your voice mm-hmm. in, a, in a studio quality sound so you can get a feel of what does it sound like mm-hmm. when you actually record the course. It's going to sound like this. It's going to feel like that. And you get to hear, oh, maybe I need to say this over again, mm-hmm. or maybe um, I need to put a little bit more emphasis or a little bit more energy. Because of the studio quality of iRecorder, mm-hmm. it allows you to go back and really hear like that crystal clear sound mm-hmm. or where you may have butchered a word right. you know, or phrase. So, yeah. Okay. Now, even with those tools, and I love those, you mentioned PowerPoint, you mentioned mm-hmm. SurveyMonkey, mm-hmm. Google Docs, um, and then what was the name of the app I, again? I, little I, Recorder. I, I Recorder. recorder. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So with all of these being utilized, are you seeing any trends in terms of what type of materials course participants are wanting. Do you need to have a physical workbook? Can it be a PDF? Um, Are they okay with just audio? Does it have to be visual? Just based on your experience. So I think old school meets new school. Mm -hmm. In a new school world where everything is streaming, everything is downloadable, uh, old school still likes to print and write. Mm -hmm. So what I would say, create that PDF Mm -hmm. that is downloadable, Mm -hmm. that people can print on their own and have to fill in the blanks. Because if you think it, ink it. It's something about hearing a course and writing it down Mm -hmm. that causes it to stick more. So I highly recommend that. The second thing to think about is giving, uh, throughout your course, giving specific quizzes and different things for people to do that engages them along the way. So you're just not want, 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 but then they can stop and say, so what does this mean to me? Let me test my knowledge. Let me see if I understand how to utilize that principle that was just taught. So I just created a course uh, for a business organization that they are going to launch uh, in a very niched professional services industry. And so one of the things that we realize with this industry is they didn't want me to be so heavy, heavy on PowerPoint. They said, we want you to specifically give how-to principles mm-hmm. on how they implement it and examples in your own life mm-hmm. of how this came across. They said, we don't necessarily want a downloadable PDF. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, all right. So they want me to, to, to make great, uh, tell great stories with points, but give examples, first-person, real-time examples of mm-hmm. where I succeeded or where I failed. So I think everyone listening to us right now, it depends on the learning style of your audience. Okay. If they, you know, will learn more through story as versus PDF. If they want maybe a uh, downloadable audio clip Mm -hmm. and something else that they can help build that learning. So here's the net net takeaway. Whatever course you create, create a surround sound of different ways people can access the information every day, every way, every device. Every day, every way, every device. Every device. Mm-hmm. Simon, this has been brilliant. I think we can end on that note. Thank you so much for spending time with us Thank and Voices you. of Experience. Thank you so much. One of NSA's most beloved programs is our youth program. Let's learn more about how this program can serve the young leaders in your life. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Caroline De Posada. Now, Caroline is the chair for NSA's youth program. Caroline, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Crystal. So Caroline, I feel like the youth program is NSA's best kept secret. Can you tell us a little bit about it? You know, 
NSA Youth Program is exactly that. Uh, the Youth Program is a leadership convention for the kids. They come ranging from 10 years old to about 17. And once they transition out of the Youth Program as participants, they can even become Youth Program leaders. And it is absolutely a wonderful program. It teaches them about speaking skills, presentation skills, self-esteem, leadership, overcoming obstacles. Uh, it gives them a sense of community. It, it helps them uh, associate with like-minded children who come from parents of speakers. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely phenomenal. So is this program helpful? Let's say that your child doesn't want to be a professional speaker, or let's say that your kid is shy. Are there other things that they're learning that are still valuable? Oh, absolutely, because it's really a leadership program. So speaking is part of leadership, but it's not, a, 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 it's not meant to turn them into professional speakers. Okay. It's meant to turn them into successful adults. And I think it's a wonderful program because it allows these kids to come out of their shell in a safe space. The, the community that you find in NSA, the warmth, the family-oriented environment, the welcoming that you find in the adult program, mm -hmm. you see it in the youth program. And that is why these children come and never want to leave. Mm, and I have seen that for those of you who have been involved or know people whose children have been involved, it's like the kids go to it and then they are sucked in. It becomes something they always want to do. So uh, there are a lot of people that are listening to us right now, Caroline, that aren't familiar. The youth program itself, is it something that happens year long? Is it on the web or does it only happen at our big annual conference influence? It only happens once a year at Influence, but it runs the exact same time period as the convention. So one of the beautiful things about it is that it allows speakers who want to show their children what they're doing, want to make them a part of their journey, want to bring them along. This is a perfect convention to, ma to mix work with a family, right? Because you, while you're at work and you're networking and you're learning and you're, you're sharpening your skills, mm -hmm. your children are in, a, in an environment that they're learning and growing too. And then at the end of the day, you guys get together, you have dinner, you enjoy time. You can come in a little early, come leave a little late and do some traveling if you want to. But it is really a beautiful experience for both the adults and the children when you get to see, uh, when you get to spend those five days at Influence together. What impressed me about what you said, Caroline, is that not only is this, you know, influence is that it's not just the event that's for the adults, for us professional speakers that are trying to grow our businesses and, and just, you know, become better professional speakers. But at the same time, we have the opportunity to send our children to a leadership camp. So it's not just a matter of grabbing someone that can watch your kids while you're there. They're actually getting self-development while we're working on our businesses. I mean, in essence, what you're doing is creating legacy because you're going to, you know, as your children grow up, they're going to need to become professionals of their own. And you're, you're leading them by example, showing them how you sharpen your skills, where you go to learn, how you build community. And they're doing exactly the same thing at their age. So, I mean, I can tell you, I started in the youth program when I was 13 and I'm still friends with the people that I met in the youth program at that age. And now we do business together. Now we, now we're adults and we're all venturing into our own uh, businesses. And some of them are lawyers. Some of them are speakers. Some of them are uh, uh, artists and other things, but we, what we have in common is the legacy that NSA has helped us create and, and the unity that we get from being together. 
So you got involved with NSA's youth program because you were a part of it as a child. Yes, actually, the only reason I'm a member of National Speakers Association today is because my father brought me when I was 13. I loved it so much that we ended up uh, doing the youth program until I aged out. And then I joined NSA as an adult. And now my father has passed away, but he left me my NSA family. He left me those people. When I walk in through the, those hotel doors and I walk into Influence every year, it's as if my dad were there with me because the memories we created and the, the times that we shared there and the people that remain that, that opened their arms to me is something that I, I, I don't think anybody else has what we have in NSA. That's why it's such a beautiful secret. For more information on the youth program, please visit nsaspeaker.org forward slash attend forward slash influence 20 forward slash youth dash program. Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. I'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.